there doesn't have to be one pathway. Like think about yourself differently. Define yourself as an influencer. What's your sphere of influence? What's your deep level of expertise? And then how do you want to commercialize that in a way that brings you joy? My bet is that you're probably sitting on millions of dollars of revenue that you hadn't explored. Are you ready to master your mindset and your business? Join thousands of women each week who use this podcast as a tool to create financial and emotional wealth. And when you're ready to scale to the next level, visit theunstoppablewoman.com slash go. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I'm Amira Alvarez. I'm the founder and CEO of the Unstoppable Woman. And today it is my great pleasure to bring on one of my colleagues, Catherine Porritt. She is the founder and CEO of a multitude of different businesses and is well known for building icons and helping them build their empire. So I am super excited to bring you on, Catherine, and have a conversation about really calling in the money and high ticket offers. So let's do this. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Amira. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit more in your own words about the the business businesses that you have and frame it up for us. I always like to give the guest uh, an opportunity to introduce themselves in their own words. I started this particular model of business about five years ago now, and my main business is Icons Incorporated. And at the time, I had just sold a very large e-commerce company that I had grown from the ground up for nine and a half years. And this was my passion project. This was my not sitting on the beach drinking my ties, but what do I really want to do? And so Icons Incorporated was really about the idea of luxury branding was the initial concept um, and using a luxury business model. But instead, what it's morphed into as I've really grown into the business and got more and more obsessed with the details of those sort of luxury business models, it's become very much about the commercialization of influence. So, um, Regardless of whether you're, you know, sort of in a very, very small niche and have very little following, to some of my clients have very large followings, you know, millions of podcast downloads and those sorts of things. So, um, and I'm just really now having fun. It's that's what the business is all about. It's, I take on partnerships and jobs and um, commercialize influence for people that I just, I become obsessed with what they're creating and what their what their possibilities are. And so I just, I, I go on a journey with them and co-create and it's just, it's just fun. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. So I'm really excited about our conversation today because I, I think it's going to really expand people's horizons in terms of what is possible for people to really receive in terms of revenue for their services uh, in their business. And and this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I teach, you know, there's there's just three ways to make more money in this world. You you raise your prices, you sell more quantity-wise, or you add a new channel of income. And when I was building my business and making my big leap from just over six figures to, you know, high six figures in one year and then passing the million dollar mark, I did a combination of those those three things, but I fundamentally raised my prices beyond 
what I ever conceived of as as possible. The year before I did that, I had tried to raise my prices and couldn't hold them. I didn't have the identity, the the wherewithal to really, you know, hold that that price point. But when I changed my identity and who I was being in this world, I was able to really expand what I received in terms of income. And quite frankly, it called me forward to work at a much higher level in terms of the service I was presenting and how I was showing up for my clients and what I was providing. And really, it changed everything for me. So you have a a, a frame on your website around, you know, the 100K uh, offer. And then in other places, you're also talking about the million dollar offer and, you know, the $43 million deal and the 60 I forget all the numbers, but you know the 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 funding for this and that, and the numbers get bigger and bigger. And I'm fascinated by your experience with helping people start at that hundred k. And I know that might be uh, shocking to some people that you could even charge a hundred k, but you can. That you know, starting there, and then what's the difference for you between the person who makes who charges 100K and the person who charges a million for their services. I've had the volume game, right? I've done the mainstream business and had the hundreds of thousands of followers and, you know, all of those things and with very skinny margins versus making a very deliberate play to own a very skinny, 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 tiny, precise niche, own it and charge at the highest level. So you hit the nail on the head when you talked about identity, which is why our business is called Icons Incorporated. Because ultimately, what I find is even the people who have created thriving multi-million dollar businesses, many of them that I was meeting at the beginning of my business, they have a, a mainstream mentality around pricing and they're looking at the market to get the answers for what the market will pay and they're also looking at the market and their competition to looking for gaps in that. So they're not actually really leading there. They're not innovating. They're not creating. And there's a real place for those who can be very precise about where they want to go, who they want to serve, who they want to be, and then allow people to experience them at the highest level. And that is all about identity. It's all about that iconic identity, owning a very small niche, and then really commercializing that at the highest level, which is exactly what you just said. Those prices that we talk about, and I talk about the 100K because it's shocking enough to motivate people to go, oh, but in fact, we stopped using it because it was keeping a lot of my clients small. Yeah. And really, there are multi-million dollar deals that are on the table. And it doesn't have to be coaching. It doesn't have to be consulting. It can be book deals. It can be, I just got off a, a call with one of my clients who's doing major deals in the podcasting game because he's really thinking about it with this dissension model rather than the ascension model. So, but it's all identity. And Mary, you've, you've absolutely 100% spot on. I love that. I love that. There's two things I want to follow up with you about there. So one, I love that you're talking about not letting the market drive the pricing structure. And uh, the way I teach is, and the way I work for myself as well, is I tap into how I want my offering to feel and to experience it for myself, for the client. And what I want my my life and my business to look like, 
And that desire, you know, I teach desire is causative. That desire is what then drives the, the pricing structure. And I create the value based on what I want, not based on market conditions. And that, when I got that, I, I, I will tell you that that was not until my 40s that I got that, right? It, in my late 40s, right? I did not understand that at all as anything that one could actually do, like that that was a viable way of deciding your pricing structure. So I, I really love that. That And then the second thing that you said was around precision. Can you go a little bit more deeply into that? Because I think that's, that is a key component to this, is that you have to be very precise in terms of who your audience is, I imagine, and also your messaging. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on with both of those things. And the work that you've done and the realizations that you've had is the basis of the very first thing that I do with any of my clients. And that is really focusing in on you. This is true innovation, true creation, true iconic businesses are based on you, what you want, that deep honesty. And then you think about now, who do I want to call in? Who do I want to invite? What pricing structure do I want that fits my lifestyle? So you are absolutely spot on. But in that whole process, there is precision involved in it because it's highly unlikely that for most people um, who are true experts at their game, that they would be the very best in the world at a very broad thing. So for example, you know, if you're in the personal development space, if you're in the coaching space, if you're in the wealth space, it's unlikely that you're going to be the best in the world at wealth strategy. It's unlikely that you're going to be the best in the world at personal development. There are examples of that. Tony Robbins, for example, does charge in the multi-millions per, per contract at the highest in the market. But really, the work that you want to do around precision is going to this idea of what is the the, the biggest thing that you can claim truthfully, Mm -hmm. truthfully, to be the very best in the world at. Mm -hmm. And then we want to go very precise into that. And there is always a market when it's well positioned, when you can get clear on what that thing is, Mm -hmm. the precise thing, and then be extremely also very precise about who gets the keys to that magical world that you're developing, who gets to play with you in there, who gets to be there, experience that, then that well-positioned messaging will inevitably bring you that top end of the market. But there's a level of Mm. bravery that goes along with that as well, of course. Mm, I love that. I love that. Because it's both about claiming who you are, your expertise, really seeing that and owning that, and also having a filter, having a gate that says, this is who I want to work with. And both of those are clarity pieces. Well, let's talk about that. I was going to say, you can't BS that, but but there's always a moment in time where you see yourself, you know yourself to be um, someplace, but you haven't yet lived into it. And I think people get caught up quite a bit in imposter syndrome where they haven't yet done the thing, but they know they're capable of doing the thing, 
right? And, and so how do you work with people? Because I, I can imagine when someone is going, okay, we're going to claim a million dollar offer, right? That like, they're, they they start looking over their shoulder and going, you know, who am I to say I've never done that? How do I know, right? Like that I'm I'm worthy of of that. What what does yeah. that look like? Yeah, that's such a good question. And even clients of mine who have had a, an enormous amount of success, they're worth you know millions of dollars, and they've had lots of success, lots of accolades, really struggle with this idea of owning a price at that level because here's really what I I think it comes down to is evidence of possibility. So just listening to this today and hearing Amira talk about the way that she prices and the success that she's had, and then the way that I structured my business, you're doing the work to give yourself the evidence that it is possible to do this. Because I feel like the thing that stops most people is some niggling something that was said to you at some stage that you had this great idea, you knew that you're a genius at this thing, you knew that there was some mission or whatever it is that you wanted to create. And a teacher, a parent, a sibling, a friend, a partner, a business partner, a coach, which is the worst part, but I hear that all the time, cuts you down and says, that's stupid. Don't do that. You can't do that let's move in this direction because they don't have the evidence of possibility that people like Amira and I do. They can't see the vision. They can't see the expansion. They can't see the expansive version of you. So to answer that question more definitively, what I find is the most helpful with this is if you know that you've got that genius within you, if you've got, you absolutely know most people that I work with, and I imagine the people that you work with as well, Amira, they've got an inner knowing. It's there, but they're not, they're scared because they've been told at some point that it's not possible and then they can't shake that. The best way to get yourself over that is to get with people like us and see the evidence of possibility. Be around peers who are doing huge things. I'm a massive believer in even if you have to buy your way into a mastermind, whatever it is, but get yourself around people who are doing extraordinary things. And then you can see more definitively that it's, it is possible. It is absolutely possible for you. It's amazing what happens when you are surrounded by greatness is really the, the biggest thing. 100%. The biggest, the biggest challenge for like taking off the mask here for me, like I, I love to feel competent and confident and and I am that's a baseline. And then I I I have to consciously put myself into bigger fish ponds, right? Like if I'm the big fish in the small pond, that doesn't serve me. I love leading and I love the feeling of being with other people who are leaps and bounds ahead of me or in different arenas. And that's something that that is just, I had to get over, like truth and transparency, a number of years ago, I had to get over the fear of not being enough in those situations and, and really just go for it. Every single time I've done that, it's up-leveled me faster than any amount of nose to the grindstone, 
hard work, efforting, right? It's just like just being around the ideas and the energy is like, oh, there's a completely different way of going about this. And it's been huge. So 100% on that. So what about uh, speaking to who this is not for? Is there a person, I, I live in the land of possibility as well and and potential, but is there a person for whom this is just a really bad idea? Don't Don't start here, right? There are definitely some people who this won't work for and who shouldn't be thinking this way. The first one is the people who really just are addicted to volume. You know, if you really, really love volume, if you love that that sense of winning and you get, you know, that real incredible feeling of euphoria when you've got the Stripe things coming through and the PayPal things are coming through and you love the volume game, I play in the area of few, which is mm. where I play. Go taste the volume. Like there are great businesses that are high volume businesses in the world. Go follow mm. that. Now yeah. you had to make that transition because you went from e-commerce, high val- volume, sold that company. Was that, I mean, you very consciously developed this model. So I know it was a, a conscious choice. Was there a recalibration period where you had to get used to used to this I bet that was like a like you had to learn how to have uh trust faith surrender patience a little bit so good and what's been fascinating for me Amira is my personal development journey through this process is that I've constantly got to keep working on that because I have that kind of uber ambitious personality where I will win for the sake of winning Mm -hmm. I will just win I'm quiet, but I'm that person who just likes to win. And so I've got to catch myself and say, no, this is a deliberate, intentional, you use the word patient, which is very, very important in my world. This is a patient strategy. If we're going to sell a million dollar offer, it is unlikely that that is going to happen in one day, like selling a $27 widget or whatnot in the mainstream world would happen. So if you don't have the patience, to really hold steady and really hold on to a dream and then do the same amount of work that you would do on, say, a mainstream launch with all your social medias and your launching things and your emails and your hundreds of going lives and all of those things, which works. But if you want to do a million-dollar launch and you're spending you know, months doing all of that preparation and launching to get your million-dollar launch, I can tell you right now it's going to take the same amount of effort and energy to your point but it will be a longer sales cycle. So if you don't have the patience would be the other characteristic here, that if you don't have that, this is unlikely to feel great for you. I would say another piece to that as well is if you don't really like innovating and putting yourself out there bravely, you're not going to enjoy this either. So because ultimately people talk about innovation all the time and I find it quite funny um, because I don't think they're really talking about innovation. A lot of those sort of funnel hacking and those sorts of things that go on in our industry is all about the whole SWOT analysis, right? You're looking for an opportunity in the market, fill that gap, paint it slightly differently, and then call it your new thing. If I'm really blunt, like that's not innovation or creativity. But if you're frustrated by that and you really want to innovate, you want to shift it and do something really huge, then 
there is absolutely evidence that you can do that for sure. Mm, yeah. I love it. I love it. So patience is big. Talk us through like, what is a sales cycle look like for a million dollar offer? I imagine, and I have not done this, so I'm turning to you, but I imagine that's all about relationship building and deep conversation. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. And that's why it's patient. So, you know, a lot of a lot of the stories that I tell are quick wins. You know, we've got a client that's come in and we've just had a client who's worked with me for 30 days and she did a million dollar sale. That's very, very unlikely to happen unless you've got a very deep, warm network and great relationships with people. The reason that that was able to happen is because she's got deep, good, well-nurtured relationships. Mm -hmm. We just repackaged her, repackaged what she was selling, and then she was able to go and have conversations and and that conversion time frame was compacted for that reason or compressed for that reason but for most people the whole idea of this is just develop an incredibly good network at the highest end of the market be very precise about what you want to create who you want to be with who you want to be who you want to be around who gets access to you and then go be in those places with those people create the connections. Most of the work that I do is all around that, creating the connections. Where do we find? It's like sleuthing. How do you find those people? Where are they? How do we create the connection with them? And then how do we nurture that um, nurture that relationship? So it ain't rocket science. This is real old-fashioned marketing, yeah. very much direct to who you want to work with, not the passive wait for a lead form to come through. But yeah. who do I want to be with very intentionally? Go create the connection with them and deepen that. I want to circle back to one of the things you brought up about around innovation. You have to be willing to put yourself out there. And as a unique individual and fully expressed, because if not, you're just a commodity. And that's antithetical to what you you teach. And I think that aspect of visibility for many women is a, a big challenge. Now, some women love it, but there's, there are, there are, I hear so often, and I see in, in the results and the actions that people take that they want to do marketing, they want the, the visibility, but they're afraid to put themselves out there and they, they resist owning the truth of who they are, their uniqueness in this world. Is there a particular way that you work with people to help them through? any kind of visibility issues or are those just not your clients? Look, in a lot of ways, uh, everyone goes through this. Even the most confident people still have those moments where it really smarts, you know. I have them all the time. You put yourself out there. You're brave enough to say the things that are bigger, you know, potentially not as popular, but they're your opinions and you know that that's going to be polarizing. So I know there is a huge market that adores me and what I'm doing for them. And there are also people that don't love what I've got to say about the world. And you have to have a level of acceptance around that. So I suppose the other thing that I would say to this is it comes back to having a peer group around you who are going through similar things and can really lift you up that and buoy you, that's very, very important. Um, having some cheerleaders or an Avenger group around you who really believe in what, what it is that you're saying and can help you through those moments of wobbles because they 
are inevitably there for every single person um, who takes on this kind of mission. But I would also say that it doesn't necessarily need to be overtly public. You don't need to do a, an Elon Musk. You don't have to go to that level of visibility, right? It, this can be a very gentle strategy for people who just want to deal with fewer clients and go to the you know the deep level of expertise, want to deal with fewer clients. That can actually feel very elegant and sophisticated, and it doesn't have to be all over social media and visible in the the standard definition of what that means. Yeah, hundred percent. I love that that description of it can be very elegant and that's very resonant. I, I, I feel that when you say that. So what would you say to, we have a lot of women in our community who are lawyers, they're, they're professional service industries, lawyers, real estate agents, chiropractors. How would you work with someone like that to position their brand to attract high-end clients? Is it the same same process that you've already described? Yeah, it's exactly the same process. Um, if we're working with a brand that's um, in the corporate market, the enterprise market, as an NGO, is so we, we have clients across all sorts of different, the spectrum, the gamut, we run the gamut. What it really comes down to is are you – wanting to be brave and go to the top end, work with fewer people. Um, you can still have mass appeal, don't get me wrong. A luxury business model is a descending model. So rather than the, the normal ascending model, starts at the top, works with fewer clients, establishes incredible credibility. And then you can you can use all sorts of levers to go to create mass appeal, like licensing and all sorts of things. Um, but really thinking about if you are a lawyer at the top of your game, if you are a real estate agent at the top of your game, then think about what you really want to create here and who do you really want to work with. And there will be a market if it's positioned well. If you can really own it, I have yet to meet someone who is really brave enough to go there who hasn't been able, we haven't been able to figure out a pathway to mm. the sorts of numbers. Um, and it might be surprising the way that that pathway looks. You know, it might not be the, the very typical, okay, I'm just going to raise my prices and suddenly I'm going to be working with five people at a million dollars each. Mm -hmm. That's probably unlikely to be that, actually. There's there's all sorts of different ways that that could come to life. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So aside from understanding what you're excellent at, owning your, your expertise, being the best in that very, very, very small niche, and being clear about who you want to work with. What's the secret to finding high-end clients? Like if you, I realize that there's details and levels of expertise in this, but if you were to to just sort of paint a, a, a wide swath of uh, explanation here for us, what kinds of tips would you give people on that? So I think the two things that you just said are absolutely mission critical. And there's a third piece to it that I absolutely know to be true for every single one of my um, successful clients. And that is certainty. It's beyond confidence. Um, I often will talk about, you know, when you enter my world, it's probably the first place that you've been told, drop humble at the door, bring your arrogance. My expectation is that you are going to show up 
and the biggest version of yourself. And I'm not going to take any excuses. I don't want you to bumble through things. I want you to confidently say exactly what you want to say. I call that arrogance only because, and I know that that term's loaded, but the reason I say it is because it's beyond confidence. Mm. This is a level of complete and utter certainty in who you are, what you do, who you want to work with, what you want to create, what your mission is. When you've got that level of certainty, I defy the market to not find you incredibly magnetic. That is what charisma is Mm. right there. It is a deep level of unwavering certainty and every single one of my most successful clients has that. And yeah. so you could go into any room as long as you get into the right room. Like that, again, that's not rocket science. Yeah. How do you find those people? Define who it is you want to work with. Get yourself in that room and be absolutely, incredibly certain about yeah. what it is that you do and who you are. I love that. I teach something that I I first learned about when I read The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, and he talks about the impression of increase. And I was like, what? What is this? And he talks about, and now I teach it because I, I live it and breathe it, that you need to impress upon others the knowledge that you will help them have more life, that you are someone who can help them solve their problems, go for more, create more life for themselves. And I've taken that, and, and we're talking about the same thing here, charisma, yeah. impression of increase, that this is like a standard of self-ownership that you need to walk through life with. Now, does that mean you never have a growth edge? I hope you always have a growth edge, mm-hmm. but that there's an energy of, confidence that I am someone who's advancing in life and you want some of this. And yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. That is what it's all about, Amira. And the idea of um, proximity to excellence and proximity Mm -hmm. to genius is what it's all about. That magnetic, oh, who is this person? I can't, you know, I want to be around this person. It's exactly what you're just describing. And that, that just comes from doing the work that we were just talking about before and really owning that at the highest level. I love it. Love it. Is there anything else you'd like to share around influence or the work that you do that you think is essential to this conversation that we haven't touched on yet? I think I'd love to talk about influence for a moment because I think there's a real problem in the market with influence right now. And there has been for some time because particularly for elite experts, people who are genius, very, very clever at what they do. They get caught up in this idea of mainstream visibility and how many followers do I have? How many, you know, I can only sell sponsorship based on CPMs and blah, blah, blah. From my end, there is a different take on this. There's a more elevated, elegant, sophisticated, mature way of pricing, as Amira said, and thinking about commercialization of influence. My bet is that every single person who's listening to this today is an influencer and not in the traditional sense of Kim Kardashian wearing a bikini on the beach type of affiliate marketing, you know, influencer. What I'm talking about is that you have a sphere of influence and there are people who will pick up what you're putting down and will listen to what you have to say, particularly if you have a deep level of expertise. If you can position yourself really as this icon, 
really move into this identity, then the commercialization of that influence becomes incredibly interesting to me because it becomes about, you know, things like board appointments, advisory positions, equity plays, partnership deals, big sponsorship deals, big publishing deals, Netflix deals. There's so many different ways of thinking about commercializing commercializing your influence aside from just the standard play. And I would really ask everyone who's on the call today, who's in Amira's world and you're thinking bigger and possibilities and you're seeing what she's creating here and looking at what I've done and what I've created as well and all of my clients and really think about there doesn't have to be one pathway. Like think about yourself differently. Define yourself as an influencer. What's your sphere of influence? What's your deep level of expertise? And then how do you want to commercialize that in a way that brings you joy? My bet is that you're probably sitting on millions of dollars of revenue that you hadn't explored by just not seeing the evidence of possibility. So open yourself up to that. So good. I love it. I love it. Before I ask my final questions, where can people find you to find out more about your work? Yeah, so you can go to iconsincorporated.com. And if you're interested just in the 100K offers, we've, I would go to 100koffers.com, which is where we st- we talk about our system and how, how you can do that for the first time. I love the, the new standard that you've set, that 100K is like baseline. I love that. I just want to share that with you and everyone listening. 100K is baseline. There you go. And if that blows you out of the water, you know, just take a breath and set it as a possibility for yourself, okay? Hold it as a possibility for yourself. Okay, so uh, what what do you love most about yourself, Catherine? I think there's probably a couple of things that are caught up in the same thing, which is tenacity and bravery. Mm-hmm. I have the ability to, even when things are hard, I don't bury my head in the sand. I might have all the feels. I might mm-hmm. be feeling like death wound up and I might be feeling beaten <laughs> up and all of those things. But I have the tenacity to keep going. I talk about this idea of ambition needing to be bigger than your ego. I have that innately. I really do know that I've got something bigger to do here and I've just got to keep walking through the quicksand. And there's a bit of bravery that's tied up in that as well. So I think I'm a very brave soul and I'm I'm on a mission to do something much bigger. I love it. I think you may have answered my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyways in case you you want to add to it. My next question is, what makes you an unstoppable woman? Very much that. Very much the yeah. bravery and producing the revolution. Um, I'm around a lot of people who get very excited about this idea of creating multi-millions of dollars. I mean, what I'm talking about is actually incredibly enticing. Um, And what I feel is important to note about it is that every multi-million dollar thing that I've created, every success story that I've created, where it's gone really right, I really have worked until my fingers have bled. Hmm. Now, it can be in flow, like it doesn't need to feel like hustle and grind and all of those, you know, I've learned as I've become more mature how to do that much better than I did in my 20s or my 30s. But very much this idea of keep going, keep moving, produce the revolution, keep working is incredibly important. And I think that literally is what has made me unstoppable, literally. Mm. I love that. I love that because it speaks to the fact that effort comes in many forms, 
right? That effort comes sometimes simply through determination, persistence, consistency, showing up every single day, not giving up. I think there's a, a fear that many women in business have because they've experienced the burnout and the overwhelm and the, the chaos and the exhaustion, that that is the only way to put the effort in. And I have a strong stance and claim to be made that I, I'm all about the, like, I have a go hard energy and a, and a, you know, we're going to get it done. And when push comes to shove, we're going to, we're going to make it happen. And there has to be this, the, the ease and the flow with that. You can hold both. It's not an either or. Yeah. So I love that. Well, Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us. This has been incredibly enlightening. I think our audience is going to eat it up. And really, I think it's going to be mind expanding for people and that they're going to so enjoy. I hope you, I hope they actually listen to it a, a few times because it, I think it's the kind of material that one could really shut off to and say, that's not for me, or that's for me later, or that's not available for me, or that's for someone else who's better or special or more confident or more certain. And I would ask you to tap into that level of possibility that Catherine holds. And if you feel that spark, if you feel that desire to to just let that drop in and don't write it off because it's right there for you. So Thank you, Catherine, for all your generosity and brilliance and your innovations. Appreciate you being here. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And Mary, you're doing some incredible work. And it's just an absolute joy to be in your presence. Thank you again. So welcome. Welcome.